Hi, Purim Sameach from the Tanakh Talks podcast. My name is Yaakov Bezin, and I'm broadcasting live from Alon Shrut in the hills overlooking Yerushalayim, the Jerusalem, the Holy City. It is Purim morning, 5780. I'm quiet in an alone room, not because I'm in Bidud or in quarantine, but because it's easier to podcast. Although, thank God, my wife is making waffles in the other room, as is our tradition on every Purim, and Purim music is blaring. So if you hear a little background music, all good. Today I just want to share with you three what I call bagatelles, small little word games, plays on words. I think are really significant to the meaning of Megillat Esther, the scroll of Esther, chapter 6 specifically. Chapter 6, of course, is the turning point. All those who have talked about the chiastic structure, how the the nafuhu, how everything gets reversed, people who are raised up, we go down, people who go down, come up. It's at the point where the king no longer can sleep, that the plot hinges and it changes where now... Mordechai begins his ascent to the heights of power. Haman begins to descend. So let's take a look at three little bagatelles. What I call bagatelles are small little word orders or missing words that are important, I think, in this in the story that are noticeable. I want to end with. I want to begin with the end. Actually, at the end of chapter six, we have a very interesting both switch and word order. Remember, Haman has just been humiliated publicly by the king. Why he does this, we'll discuss in a second. Why the king chose to take, cut his advisor down a level or two, that's a separate question. But Haman returns home, and it says, And Haman talks to Zeresh, his wife, and to all his friends, everything that had befallen him. And of course, this is his failure to convince the king to hang Mordechai, not only did he fail to convince, but now Mordechai is clearly in the king's favor and he is being humiliated publicly, Haman. But notice what happens. Who speaks to him? Vayom Rulo, Hachamav, Vizeresh Ishto. His wise men and Zeresh's wife say to him, Where did his friends go? They'd suddenly disappear. And as my students in Leiv, Torah, the great Talmudim Hachamim that I have. T- the privilege of teaching, they all quickly point out, in politics there's no real such thing as friends. There's mutual interest. As long as this person's on the way up, we attach ourselves to him. The moment we see this person is starting to lose power, all of a sudden, well, we weren't really friends. You know, we just said business interests and um, we're acquaintances. All these people who know nothing about Harvey Weinstein or all these great people who, when they have a position of powers, you know, everybody's their friend, they fire their lots and their jets the Epsteins of the world, um, but all of a sudden when they these player, people come down and are brought down by the force of law, or if they kill themselves, or did they kill themselves? But either way, the Epsteins and the Weinsteins, all of a sudden there's, we don't know what you're talking about. You know, you have the Prince of England saying, I, I was a good friend, I went to tell him I couldn't speak to him anymore. That's a good friend, a good friend sticks with you through thick and thin, I thought. No, I can't do that anymore. All of a sudden the friends and wife becomes advisors. They're only in a, they're in a professional capacity. There's no longer a relationship between them. That's point number one. Point number two, of course, is the fact that Haman really digs his own grave in this chapter. The king comes to Haman and says, What should be done to the man that the king wants to honor? And Haman says to himself, Who else would the king want to honor except myself? And Haman says, I've got several ideas. Let me see. Throw them out before you. He gives them four. One, let him wear the royal clothing, the bush machut, that the king has already worn, 
Vesus, Asher Rechav Alav Melech, the royal horse. Vesher Natan Keter Malchut Barosho. So you have here, of course, the repetition of the word Melech, Malchut, Malchut, Melech, that keeps coming through in what he says. It's subconsciously, whether he's not aware of it or not, is this is what uh, is on Haman's mind, the kingship. But this is, this is definitely what Achashverosh is hearing. And the fourth thing, of course, is let him be walked through the city. So we have here royal clothing, royal horse, royal crown, and let him get a public parade saying this is what the king wants to do to somebody who he wishes to honor. But what does the king say to Haman to do? He says, Maher, hurry up. As you have said, you do, and do it all to Mordechai. But what's left out? He said, take the horse. He said, take the royal garments. Give him the parade. But you're not touching the crown. How dare you even suggest that somebody else would wear the royal crown? The question is, was the king suspicious of Haman beforehand? Or did Haman set his own trap? So what I want to suggest here, and this perhaps is the most clever of the missing words in chapter 6, is that, in fact, as Haman walks in, the king is already questioning his loyalties. And how do we see this? Remember, the king can't sleep. What a great night for insomnia. That night the king can't sleep. That night he can't sleep. And there's nothing more interesting to read to help to put someone to sleep than, of course, the royal chronicles. And they're read before the king. And it tells the story how Mordechai had saved Achashverosh. And the king asked, and listen carefully, What has been done? Yakar Ugdula. Honor and greatness to the man who's been done to Mordechai. Honor and greatness. Yakar Ugdula. The servants tell the king nothing's been done, and then the king says who's in the court. Now this is actually one of these interesting plays, because Achashverosh's wife, if you need any proof from the Tanakh, that you should listen to your wife occasionally, at least. Zeresh told Haman, go in the morning and talk to the king about Mordechai. Haman, however, is too hyper. He doesn't go in the morning. He goes at night. Who goes creeping around the king's bedroom at night? And already it's suspicious. But having said that, the king turns to Haman, and he says, What should I do to a man who the king wishes? Asher Abelus Chafetz, Bikaro, to honor. Haman, of course, says into his heart, the king must honor, must be referring to myself. But what that wasn't what the king wanted to do. The king didn't say he wanted to give honor. He wanted to give honor and greatness. But he only offers honor. Why does he leave greatness out? Because who is he speaking to? The one person that it says the king has already given greatness to. Meaning that the king had intended, had it been anybody else, to say, what should I give? How do I give honor and greatness? But it already says, Haman. The king had already made Haman great. Using the exact words for greatness. Gadel, Gdula, Vayigdal. These are all the words that imply the king's already done it. The king already is testing Haman here at this point. And of course, as we mentioned, Haman falls into the trap. 
he asked not only too much for the crown, but he also asked, of course, for the king, the king, the king, the king, the fourfold repetition of the word melech. Three simple word order word changes that are so significant to our understanding of what's happening here. Why was the king suspicious of a Haman? Quite likely, this was the seed planted by Esther in the party. Please, I just need an intimate dinner with you to talk to you about some things, you and of course Haman. And the Midrash already says, why is she doing this party? We get a feel from chapter 5, she's flying by the seat of her pants, as it were. She's at living. But there is one thing that is clear. Maybe if I can make Haman jealous. Maybe if I can see if I can somehow create a distance between the king and Haman. And in fact, it works. If you look closely at chapter 5, it says that Esther is there and the king and Haman are there. There's two people on one side and Esther on the other. The king and Haman come to the banquet that Esther prepares. Meaning it's the king and Haman on one side and Esther is the one who is serving. So, there's a togetherness, there's a closeness between the king and Haman. She cannot divide between them. The second time, however, it's Esther and the king, but this time it's a, it's a Haman and the king with Esther. Nishtot im Esther. Not Esther the servant, but Esther is an equal participant. That Esther is now on the same level as the king and Haman in chapter 7, and that allows her to make the request because she now sees that Haman is on the outs. With all this in mind, Perm Sameach have a wonderful Freilachachag and have, we'll be back podcasting very soon. This Thursday already is our first book launch. We'll be talking about Nachum Chabakim Tzifania at Yeshiva Leva Torah at 9.45. The next day will be in the lunch food at the end of March. Details to follow. Have a wonderful Purim, everyone.